Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. We've finished Trader Baru Cormorant today, but I want to start us off in case you missed it. We, Dan and I, decided to get to get on Twitch, play a little play a little old style RuneScape. I think we announced it on social media, but not on the podcast. We uh, we had that we had that this past weekend. Uh, we, a, a couple hiccups, <laughs> one big one. Uh, I had to step out for almost the entirety of it, so Dan was on his own. I do want to ask you a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, sure. So Luke didn't quite make it out of the tutorial, but I did. <laughs> I I made Not it all the way into RuneScape. We're proud of you for that. Thank you. Thank you. How'd it go? Uh, well... I, I may, so I don't know if it's that RuneScape got harder in the, in the time that I've taken off from it, or if I'm just a worse gamer. Oh no. Because, so for the first part, I got really good at mining and catching fish. And oh, I, nice. first 30 minutes, I was just like leveling up those skills. And then I mm-hmm. thought, I want to go back to some of my old, my old zones the old haunts and see what's going on so i started walking along the road and i'm going back to i think it's ice mountain where there's a bunch of mining and that's where i used to do all my mining when i was on the landscape it seems early to go there well you know i i'd already done the the tree chopping and the fishing and it's time to explore the world Mm -hmm. and but luke you would be right and it was a little early to go there because i forgot on the road there are bandits which are npcs (laughs) that can just kill you and i had not leveled any of my combat at all oh no you died and so your boy died (laughs) the i i died once and then i learned all your stuff is in a little grave a little tombstone and you have to go back to it before 15 minutes is up or else it all disappears and so I, I ran back. But Luke, do you know what the problem was when I ran back to my tombstone to get all my stuff? The, the bandits were still there. Yeah, the bandits were still there. The bandits were still there. Uh, fortunately, I was able to snatch my gear and run. And oh, so nice. I'm, okay. I'm, I did make it away. And then I started training on goblins. Uh, the problem, Luke, is I didn't make any food. And uh, got killed by a goblin. You got killed by a <laughs> goblin? No. Okay. First off, Dan, this is why you, this is why you train on chickens. You know this. <laughs> yeah, but it's slow. I don't want to train on chickens. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, but you get you get some good feathers. I that's tough. I I don't recall dying that many times when I played back in back in my elementary school years, mm-hmm. but. But there's a there's a chance that I it, there's a steep learning curve maybe. Uh yeah, I might just be kind of dumb. I I will say I left you high and dry. I think that that we could have together probably taken those bandits. Um ah uh, that might be that might be giving us a little bit too much credit. <laughs> okay, fair and fair enough. Next time, and I I think that there will be a next time. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll. We'll get that going together. I I want to say 
We'll do it again sometime in March. So listener, if you are interested in that, um, make sure to, to keep up to date on our, our social medias. I think we'll probably announce it on, on the podcast as well before we do that. You can also follow us on Twitch. Uh, our Twitch user is just DC to BC, just like our Twitter. So if you want to <laughs> if you want to follow our channel, then you'll get notified as soon as we go live. If you missed any of the other posts that we're bound to make about it, I w- the other thing that I want to say about this. So after I I came back, I well not immediately after, but I have since completed the tutorial on my own. Look at you. And, and love RuneScape. <laughs> I didn't get past the tutorial. I stopped. But next time we play, there's a decent chance that I'm like level 1,000. Oh. Because I just don't know if I'm going to be able to keep away. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I am definitely going to be able to keep away. <laughs> I'll say that. Okay. And so I'm, I'll probably be your squire. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'll be carrying all your gear, and you'll be fighting all of the bandits who try and murder me along the road. That sounds like that sounds like the appropriate appropriate setup for the two of us. Okay, yeah keep keep up to date with our with our Twitch stream if you love RuneScape, like everyone does. Let's talk about Trader Borrow Cormorant, which we have finished. Mm-hmm. So everything's fair game. And the first thing that I that I wrote down for this section, which which you could could be said for previous sections as well, but most of this one, and that's that like a character, a main character being ruthless and like kind of having an inner monologue about how they're being ruthless is very fun to read. But I don't love it. <laughs> no, it's not great. You're talking about how Baru's kind of a sociopath. Yes. Not not actually because we get her in her monologue and she's like, ooh, I feel really bad about all these things I'm doing. But if you just right. she's took, taking the actions of a sociopath. Yeah, if you took her actions for face value, oh no. <laughs> I don't know if we should be Team Baru. <laughs> I I don't think that we should. Right, because I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a character that doesn't really have, like, honor, right? Like, Baru doesn't really have a sense of honor with this stuff. It's not like she's like, I got to figure out how to solve this problem honorably. And, oh, man, this duchess isn't going to go along with me. I've got to convince her or I've got to trick her. and Or, like, no, it's just, oh, I guess I got to murder her. It's time to do an assassination. Yeah, yeah, big move. Yeah, huge move. Uh, One little detail that I thought was very strange with this assassination, though, and I don't know if you picked up on this. Part of the plan was to poison the horses Mm -hmm. so they had diarrhea. Now, they already were going to scare all the horses to get them to run around and trample people. I don't understand why they also needed the horses to be shitting everywhere. This is a good point. Like, unless the two are related, unless horses don't spook, unless they're having serious bowel <laughs> issues. I 
I my guess is that these are well trained horses. Oh, for right? sure. I have to yes. assume. Yes. And so you're not just going to get them to spook. But we all know <laughs> you go to Taco Bell, you get the runs a little bit. You're more you're more easily rattled, right? Your mind's your your mind is a little fatigued, taken up with the emotional responsibility of being on the toilet all the time. Mm-hmm. And so people are people are much more likely to spook you. I think that's that's the way to do it. Like I, they weren't going to just spook them by their original plan by banging a couple of symbols together, right? Like that's running around. I can deal with that. Okay. Okay, maybe. You're saying this is where the term the runs comes from, is when horses Ooh. when horses have bad diarrhea, they run. They run everywhere, and you can get them to run everywhere. But you're saying this is just horses, though, right, Luke? You're not saying if you had this problem and you were on the toilet, it wouldn't take very much to get you to start sprinting all over the place, right? <laughs> That's not what you're saying. So I don't think sprinting specifically. I think, like, a... <laughs> A human version of being rattled. I don't know what that is, but I think I'm more easily whatever the whatever the human version is. I'm more easily rattled than if I've had the runs than if I haven't. Okay, okay. I think that could be a fair point. A fair point. I. I don't know if it was the greatest strategic move, though, Mm. because, like, presumably, you still want those horses. Like, those horses are still valuable to you. Horses don't have any loyalty to the Duchess. And now you've got to, like, have all these these scurvied out soldiers cleaning up horse these horses because, you know, it's getting everywhere. Now that I think about it, though, was there a component to, right? Because I feel like in a lot of books, horses give warnings, right? Like they're a little bit uneasy and the mm-hmm. the guards are like, oh, why are the horses uneasy? Must be people out in the woods. Yes, maybe. But now that they, now that they have diarrhea, they have a reason to be uneasy. You think that was part of it? Yeah, but wouldn't that be suspicious in and of itself that like, oh, wow, literally all of our horses have diarrhea. Like that is a bigger signal to me than like this horse. They're looking around a little funny and they're breathing a little weird right now. Maybe someone's out there rather than like, wow, my horse and every horse I hear of has diarrhea right now. Hmm. Okay, fair. Everything seems fine. I mean, it worked. It it did work. I'm just wondering if it would have worked without making the horses shit everywhere. But <laughs> but it sounds like we've got a few possibilities for why that was necessary. So I'm willing to move on. I'm willing to okay. concede the point that in order for Baru to rise up in the ranks of the masquerade, she had to give these horses diarrhea. I'm willing yeah, to you, accept that. You got to check the boxes. It's one of the costs. It's one of these it's one of these many costs that she has incurred on her rise to power. Exactly. I imagine there were a few tears shed for the horses. I would hope so. I have so am I this is another example of this in this book where I'm not sure if I'm dumb or for missing something or not. Mm, okay. I had no idea who these northern boys were 
until this section and now I'm supposed to be really like they're super intense. Am I did I miss it? So I think they were introduced to us previously. Mm-hmm. When Baru was first going to Arduin, she was kind of getting the lay of the land and figuring out why Arduin was valuable and who were the other powers that were that were fighting over it. And the the forces to the north were one of these competing powers globally that she was aware of. And she recognized Arduin's importance because they acted as like a buffer okay. for the masquerade and these like northern sounds like very cool fighters. Their armor sounds very cool. I'm disappointed that we don't that we're not going to get more about these like kind of proto dwarves like they live in the mountains and they have cool armor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think they were introduced. The problem is there's a lot of factions in this book. And, like the one that I lost complete track of were the different like races of people that they were talking about. Those yeah. just all gone as soon as they said, I'm like, oh, you're a, a Maya one and you're a this one. And I'm just like, all right, great. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what those mean. Right. Yeah. I So I guess that these northern guys are like a super big threat to the to the masquerade. it's kind of interesting though because i got the sense that they were just like kind of relegated to this kind of shitty land Mm -hmm. but they're just really good at smithing i guess yes i think that's that's definitely true from the perspective that we get of the one that comes down and is like i almost cried because i saw grass and you're like oh my god dude it's it's okay it's gonna be fine uh, I think, Luke, there are so many of them. Okay. Like, I imagine that this nation is very vast and also unknown. Mm. Like, it sounds like the Masquerade doesn't have a lot of intel about them. And in the past, they have been a formidable force. So I think, I think they could just have a lot of people that live within their kind of rough boundary. And it also sounds like they are traditionally very divided, which is why they haven't been a threat. But now with the, they have this King that they have assigned who could potentially unite them. And the masquerade just doesn't really know what that kind of power is going to look like. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. They seem good. They seem very powerful. I don't know about good, right? We don't know how okay. we don't know how they're subjugating point. other colonies. The the king, their like new king, did send a few thousand soldiers and was just like, "You can do whatever you want with them. They're like a gift." Right, right. Which I can't tell if that's a pro or a con for the new king, but. Yeah, I'm just really into their armor. Anytime we hear about 
I need to, I think this might be one of Dan's fantasy favorites is hearing about some cool technology that a people okay. have developed like an ancient technology. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, when some, when some people's armor is just way better than everybody else's, I think that's is very it specific cool. to armor or can it be anything? It can be anything like come up with a cool weapon. Okay. That's really fun. Armor is very cool. I will say if it's done, if it's done correctly. Yeah. It's like a mech suit. Who doesn't love people running around in mech suits? <laughs> I, I don't think there's anyone that doesn't love that. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. The something that I kind of didn't understand, Luke, was how quickly Baru decided she could trust purity. The clarified. Mm-hmm. I thought that turn was so immediate and unwarranted. Like, Baru is being so cautious with who she can trust about everybody and is lying to everybody and trying to put on this face of, like, being truthful and convincing. And here, she meets somebody who she knows has been trained to be, to follow orders, to be an assassin, to be good at subterfuge. And she's just like, I looked in his eyes and saw that he was lost. And I knew I could tell him what to do. I th- okay. I yes, I agree with you. I do think though that she didn't give him a super important task that was like, and she was also actually genuinely on his side. Right. Oh, you know for I mean? sure. Yes. So I feel like she didn't like trust him that much. I mean, she trusted him because she, okay, so what, what orders did she give him? She gave him the orders to go down and one thing, kill that that uh, religious leader. Mm-hmm. The one that has the secret. Yes. And then I also think that she told him to go tell them about the, like, the, the sea captain's plans. Is that true? Um... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was just to go get the book, the secret book. Okay. Who, well, then who gave, how did the, uh, how did the Marines know our Seagroom's plans? I don't think they knew his plans. Okay. Well, okay. Regardless, the, uh, I feel like the mission to go like assassinate and get this book doesn't really require a ton of trust. I, so on one level where Baru is still operating for the masquerade, that would be true. But this mission isn't for the masquerade that she's sending him on. She's sending Mm -hmm. him on a mission, on a personal mission, because the secret that she told gives the other people apart, like behind the throne authority. It would give them authority over her. Right. But. So she doesn't know if she can trust him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're saying that she does trust him. But so if she's, she sends him on this p- kind of personal mission, if he does it, great. If he doesn't do it, then she knows she can't trust him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's I feel fair. Like it's a, I feel like it's a good move. Like if she had kept him around as like a confidant and a, and a 
little personal assassin guy, I think that would have been a mistake. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I am putting too much on, on our perspective of Baru. Maybe she doesn't trust him as much as, as I'm saying she does, because yeah, she sends him away where he couldn't necessarily harm her. And if she sees him around, it's like, okay, you're clearly not my buddy. Um, Because yeah, I had this thought too. And then I was like, oh, okay, she sent him away on some random mission. That's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. One person she does trust a lot. Well, kind of. I don't think we've said, we've decided how to pronounce this name. Tain Hu? The Duchess? Tain Hu? Yeah, Tain Hu. I like Tain Hu. Okay. How hyped was Tain Hu when she got to be general? so just a, <laughs> 10 out of 10 the, probably like there's the moment when she says who it is and tain who just like looks up with the i'm assuming the biggest smile on her face i don't know why i liked that I, I, like thought that that moment was so funny it's that it's that moment in class when the teacher's like okay you guys gotta partner up so figure out who you're gonna <laughs> be partners with and you and your buddy look at each other at the same time and you're like giving each other the eyebrows yeah like yeah. that's the that's the vibe i was getting this ending we're gonna talk about the ending i think and the tragedy of it but i feel like it's made so much worse by how high baru takes tain Hu. like baru elevates tain Hu to be general of this army that defeats the masquerade and then is like I'm not going to take a king. I'm going to have a queen. Get up here, Tainhu. You you earned it. You and me, we're going to run this shit. If I'm Tainhu, I'm like, this is like the best thing of all time. Oh, for like, sure. My life could not get any better right now. Because also, you're forgetting the incredible moment when she does the coolest thing on the battlefield ever and is going to be telling her grandkids about it for, well, apparently not. <laughs> well, no, but... she's not. <laughs> but you gotta think the adrenaline was pumping like the tippy top you took tainu to the tippy top and you were like everything is gonna be so cool tainu right and then and then like 20 pages later she's being drowned in the ocean (laughs) that's that's oh that's gotta hurt it's a it's a rough transition for Tain Hu. Yeah. I don't that was also their kind of the progression of their relationship kind of weird to you. Yeah. Like Tain Hu got so into Baru. I'm not I'm not saying that it was like wrong. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of jarring to me a little bit that Tain Hu went like I think I I mentioned this last episode that the moment where Baru does this speech about them being like wolves from that moment on Tain who is about it about it with Baru. Yeah, I I actually we we talked about how there were some sparks already. Oh yeah, definitely. There were sparks before. Yes. But I, but I I feel like after this it took on 
kind of a weird role mm. where obviously there were still sparks, but this is when Tainhu started to like worship her almost. Yeah, well, I think you mean how she's constantly like, whatever you want, like, I'll do it. I'm like sworn to do whatever you want until you die kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a little odd, but I think that's kind of just, I think what happened is Tane, who clearly was about it, about it for Baru, but also Baru was like promising Tane, who this future that was like what Tane who wanted, right? So aside from all the other dukes and duchesses who just like want this future for Arduin, Tane who is like capital R and lowercase r romantically involved in Baru's vision of the future. Like, mm-hmm. I think the fact that Tane who was like attracted to Baru built that trust between them and so when baru is like i'm gonna free arduin it's gonna be the coolest thing ever we're gonna defeat the masquerade tane who's like eating it up with a fork and knife bite after bite and she's just like like tane who there is no subterfuge going on every other duke and duchess is like trying to maneuver for their own benefit and tane who is just like i think this is awesome what you're doing i'm gonna support you in whatever way i can let's make it happen okay i think that that's fair part of part of what i think was so weird to me for this was that i think that tane who really lost her swagger mm. does that feel right to you maybe a little bit maybe a little bit i will say I feel like at the end, she's displaying like ultimate swagger, both in the battle and like kind of how she works the ending to a certain extent. What you're talking about is like how she would say like, I'll do whatever you want, like whatever your orders are, I'll do them, right? How she was kind of deferential to Baru. Yeah, I mean, this is, and you could tell that they were no longer equals, which is like unsurprising considering, considering what happened, but the the way that they were no longer equals in position and in i feel like their conversations mm-hmm. made their made their romantic relationship a little bit strange to me mm-hmm. yes i so i think part of it is is kind of explained when tain who is like surprised when Baru asks her to join her, when they ask who's going to be king, because I mm-hmm. think I think Tain Hu was just kind of like defeated in that way. Like, sure, she had won on the battlefield and stuff, but really, she wanted to be with Baru, and that was like a something that was really important to her. And so she kind of just figured, like, well, it's not going to happen because Baru's got to marry some dude and have children. Okay. And so she was just kind of, I think. Her her interactions with Baru, as Baru rose higher and higher, she realized that the reality of her being with Tain Hu was becoming less and less likely. Okay. And that makes sense to me. That was the vibe I was getting. It was like she just kind of felt defeated and like the one thing she really wanted, she wasn't she probably wasn't gonna be able to get. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 here with you on that one. Okay. Which which just makes that turn at the end so bad. <laughs> Like I said, we took Tainhu all the way to the top and then brought her all the way down to the very bottom. 
Yeah, okay. I mean, I would agree with you. I do think that she... Well, it, I don't know if we should talk about it now or, or a little bit later, but I do think that she obviously died not like it was a bad death, but she died well. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, she she drowned to death in a cold okay. ocean. I don't mean like physically, like it sounds terrible, but I mean, as a like conceptual figure, her she went out kind of... You're saying, top, but you're, like, you're saying like she still has somewhat of a victory because Baru yeah. is potentially still seeking the same goal that Tainhu wants. Is that what you mean? Yes. And and she like uh you know, she went out not like just cursing Baru. You know what I mean? Like she has something left. Right. Like Right. And and I do think that what you just said, the the idea that her death is pushing Baru into a stronger position to be able to take down the masquerade from the inside. I think that that's, I mean, she's still dying a terrible death, but pretty good. <laughs> uh, this actually opens us up to a discussion that I think is super important, especially about this book. And this is going to be, I think, maybe a little bit more of a serious discussion that we normally have, but it's a question of like, what is one person's life worth in the like grand scheme of things? Like, oh boy, like what I mean by that is the prime example here is Baru being like, I'm gonna do just the worst things imaginable, I'm gonna just do the, the most terrible stuff, I'm gonna like all kinds of bad stuff is gonna happen because of me, uh, and I'm going to suffer personally for it. Like I am never going to be able to live with myself with the things that I had to do to make this happen. Uh, but maybe, maybe I can change things. There is a possibility that I can change things. And the, the key, so the key point here, Baru is like, I could have just run off with a Volt Jag. I could have just mm -hmm. run off in the mountains after that and like lived a fine happy life me and voltjag and we probably would have gotten away with it voltjag is tainhu by the way it's the duchess mm -hmm. voltjag and like to a certain extent i think that's fine to a certain extent i want to be like yeah it's your life and like you have a right to not to not do all these things you have a right to go <laughs> be happy and like go live in the mountains somewhere Yes. I okay. Um at what point did this happen? Because I I don't love the idea of her like setting this whole horrible thing up and then running off. I mean, I don't want to get caught up in the sunk cost fallacy sure, here, sure. but I like I don't know if you really deserve to run off with mm. with Voltjag if you've like set up this revolution and then betrayed it and ruined the like culture of, <laughs> of this. I don't think that you get to just like go off. Yes. At that point, you definitely owe something to the revolution because you, you don't have to it. like keep going with your ultimate plan, but I think that you do, you do have to like, <laughs> uh, receive some kind of, uh, consequences for that 
Yes, I think that's true. But I guess I, I more just mean like this, she feels this debt to her home country. Like she has to fix things for her mother and her father's and for Terranoke. And that's why, that's kind of what pushes her to do all this stuff. And I mean, to a larger extent, she wants to solve the problem for other people all over the place. Like she wants to solve the long-term problem. Mm -hmm. But like, how much of your life do you really owe to, like, she's giving up a lot for this goal. (laughs) That's true. You know what's interesting to me? And I think I think that Voltjag early in this book says something about this. Baru is not going in to like become high up in the masquerade to change it for the better. Right? Hmm. You're saying Baru is going in for somewhat selfish reasons? No, no, no. no. I mean like she's going in to destroy the masquerade. She's not going in to be like Hey guys, we could provide all these things and not be terrible. Interesting. Which seems like e- it's easier. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Well, but... so from what I understood about this and from like everything in Baru's plans so far, I feel like destroying it doesn't solve the problem. Mm. Because destroying the empire just means a different one will come along and dominate you still like she's talking about she wants to learn their tools to like do it better essentially right because you you have to have that that power otherwise you just get dominated by a different big empire that exists and so i feel like that's i don't think she's going into just to just fuck shit up i got the sense that she was (laughs) um a lot of people are telling her to (laughs) a lot of people are saying you got to just destroy it before it destroys you and i think we don't we still don't really know what her long-term plans are so that might be it right that might be it but it i get the feeling that she is going to just she's going to try and reform the system not tear it down i love the idea of her going in and becoming one of these inner circle people and at their meetings being like hey, maybe we should, uh, you know, do a, like, wealth tax and, and uh, you know, religious freedom, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Invest in public infrastructure. I think all that would be really nice. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, end of this series, Baru passes her signature legislation. It's a $15 an hour minimum wage, and she's like... <laughs> She's like, Tainhu, I did it for you, baby. I got to get done. around the parliamentarian. All I did, I did to get around the parliamentarian. Tainhu, I know this is what we were working for. We got it, baby. Your death is not in vain. Uh, well, I don't know if that's worth it, but <laughs> do do you, Baru? That, that actually... Okay, so we we get a lot of deaths that happen at the end of this book of well-known characters. I'm curious who you think had the worst death. I think I think an obvious answer is Tain Hu, 
just for the like level of betrayal. Now you've provided a good a good counter to that is Tain Hu actually has some hope before she dies because Tain Hu is like maybe Baru is gonna help me out. Yeah, I think, and this might be. Well, okay. So this one wasn't like a physically bad death. Mm-hmm. But I think the one that I would not want to be is uh, the philosopher guy. Ooh, that was up there for me too. Yeah. Because like that one was just an embarrassing one. <laughs> right? He like kind of betrays them and then just gets shot. Yes. That's true. It was embarrassing. It didn't take a lot for him to go down. Like, was his betrayal just to kill Baru? Uh, I think so. Yes. I died. See, I I, don't I was coming at it from a philosophical it. standpoint of, like, he knows that it's over. Like... Oh, you think he knew Baru's plans? I think that's why he betrayed Baru. They have a little discussion near the end where it's, like, they're f- trying to figure out why he turned on them and because oaths fire right this is what happens oaths fire who is his buddy chases baru down and hits her in the head with a club at the end as she's trying to leave and she's like did he read the philosopher duke's notes is he did he figure out what i was doing this whole time because baru thought that the philosopher duke realized what was going on at the end baru was like okay. that's why he turned on me it was because he knew what i was doing i feel like you warn people though yeah but at that point it's too late yeah and um and so i feel like that adds another level to his death where like he i think he might have felt the depth of despair okay of anyone because he from his perspective all he thought was Baru is doing this for purely so like uh purely selfish means is we're all going to be betrayed. I am in the middle of this battle and I have to turn on everyone to try and maybe stop it, but probably not. Okay. I okay, that's better. I will I I don't know what it was. <laughs> I did not I did not do well at understanding this book. <laughs> if you guys could tell I, it was very complex. There was a lot of plots within plots, and a lot of a lot of characters involved. The other death that I thought was pretty bad, just from a physical like standpoint of how it would hurt, is the crone, the clay mm-hmm. crone who stayed behind because there was like fighting in her realm, and apparently she had this like stuff put on her that would light on fire when she got into water that's that's a bad that's not a good way to go burning to death doesn't seem great burning to Um, death underwater seems worse for some reason (laughs) that's fair yeah everyone here had a tough time Mm -hmm. yeah i don't yeah pretty rough deaths i i think it's interesting this explains a problem that I saw in the last section. So I was so curious why the clarified weren't just murdering these dukes and duchesses left and right. I was like, they're out in the woods. 
they're like not really protected that well everybody's angry and has scurvy i feel like some of these clarified could sneak in and just kill the the dukes and duchesses especially seeing how quickly they were able to kill that duchess that disagreed with them and i was like why why are they not doing this why are they not just killing all of these essential rebel leaders and you know it's explained here that it was intentional like they were they were intentionally leaving them alive so that they could right. trap them all yeah okay this this whole like strategy seems very over the top <laughs> but it works i guess this this the like broad strategy of making them rebel and then like crushing it very over the top very dramatic mm-hmm. um i don't know if it's the route i would i feel like i probably would have found a more direct route but right <laughs> like maybe instead of making them think they could revolt and then crushing it so that they never revolt again because they just think it's a trick every time maybe instead of that and going to all that effort you could just like give them what they're asking for <laughs> you could just be like okay we'll stop killing all of the priests <laughs> like you're already getting the tax money right uh yeah i don't know yeah you are i here's my okay this last part where baru is like successful because she doesn't she doesn't give the the inner circle something against her i i think that this is a bad strategy by our inner circle guys where they're like Let's raise up these sociopaths and then let's try to control them through their feelings. I don't. <laughs> it seems, I, does it seems anyone else see the problem here? Right, right. It seems counterintuitive. Like, <laughs> like they're raising up these people to act purely on what they want without regard for who they hurt along the way. And then they're trying right. to control them with people who they might Especially value. because they they treat Tainhu's death as a test for her. And then they're trying to gain control by like providing an out. And it's like, no, you made her think that it's a test. <laughs> Plus, she's a sociopath. That's the whole thing. It just seems these guys, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is showing that Baru's got a shot. She does have a shot. I think that's true. Uh, yeah, because, man, they seem to really have missed the missed the boat here on, on controlling Baru. They seem to have ruined it themselves. I think this is the whole thing. I think that they're too circuitous. Mm-hmm. And too, like too dramatic with their with their methods right right like if instead they just locked up tainhu and were like hey we're not gonna kill her we're just gonna keep her we're just like don't be terrible <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean 
Yeah, that would like, be cool. Like, hey, maybe I'll just work together <laughs> as, like, the leaders of this empire. Maybe it's not a zero-sum game. <laughs> Crazy. Wild thought, but I don't know. I mean, that's why they're the, that's why they're in charge. I guess. Luke, how many people are part of this gross club? Did you get a sense for how many? We do get in one of the letters that Baru writes, we get a list of people who approve her ascension. Right. I think it's like That list seemed small to me. It seems small to me too. It seemed like there were less than 8 names on that list. Yeah. How crazy is it that, and I'm going to pronounce this Zait Yawa, the spy master, or no, no, not the Juris Potence yeah. from Treaty Mott, is a candidate for this group? Uh, yeah, okay. This, do, do we think that it's actually this small? I feel like it can't be. I don't I I would agree. I feel like it can't be this small, especially if you have at least one of your people that's running this thing traveling around finding candidates. You have like an eighth of your talent, an eighth of your governing body is just roving around looking for smart people. Yeah. I also would say we get a lot in this book about how like the parliament and other parts of the government are pretty much powerless and it's really this inner circle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call BS because if your inner circle is this small, like you have a big empire, there are some significant decisions being made outside of this circle, I have to think, unless they're just like very efficient. <laughs> uh <laughs> Okay, I think this is definitely true, but I think this circle controls, like, the most important levers for the Empire. Like, maybe this circle has the nuclear launch codes, and if something starts going the wrong way, they can be like, no, 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 we're changing this. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, Like, they have ultimate control, but they're delegating so much that there actually is a lot of power in other areas. Right, like the parliament actually does things. Like it is actually passing legislation and that act that legislation is actually going into effect places. Like Right, it is probably very important for right. large groups of people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, this is very true. Which thinking about Terranoak and Baru it seems like the ideal situation would be to rise to the top of that level of power, right? Because this inner circle is looking at the long-term trajectory of the empire. Baru doesn't care. Baru doesn't care if the empire lives a million years, mm-hmm. right? Baru is trying to make life better for her home country. You're you're saying that Baru should apply to be the governor of Terranoke. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah, I, and I I could get the argument that like yeah, but these people with ultimate control are still going to be dictating like the important any big decision, 
And it's like, sure, but if you like, if you make their lives just even a little bit difficult, they're not going to have that much control. Like they have other shit to manage. It's like you were saying, there's only eight of them. They can't be focused on this protest that's happening on Terranoke. Right. While trying to steer the empire. Plus, I imagine if they're like, eh, the taxes from Terranoke are coming in pretty well. Like, that's fine. <laughs> Who cares if they're chill with that crazy social hygiene stuff that we are trying to make them do? <laughs> we keep coming back to the same point, I think is is the issue um i actually okay okay i want to move us on and i know last episode we mentioned we were gonna stop giving advice on how to have (laughs) on how to have a repressive uh colonizing government but there's one last thing we gotta hit on that was i was struggling with to fit okay and that is the weird social stuff that they're doing. The, like, hygiene stuff. I was tr- I've was i been trying okay. to figure out why they were doing this for the longest time. And I think here at the end we figure it out. The weird hygiene stuff, I think part of it could very well be, like, stupid eugenics that one of these people wants to investigate. But... I think it also, among the inner circle, it provides, like, leverage between them. Because what they've done is they've created an accusation you can throw at somebody that you don't have to have, like, explicit evidence, but you can get somebody taken out of the equation. Okay. I I see your point about this. I would say that if that's true... That's infuriating. (laughs) Like, this incredibly destructive (laughs) policy for this one purpose. I hate that, but I do think that it seems like it might be the case. Right, because there's like this game that's being played among them in the inner circle for power. And I imagine a lot of this weird bullshit that's trickling down comes from how they're trying to leverage each other yeah that's a that's my best explanation for why we're doing this bullshit i don't i don't have any other explanation for why they are so obsessed with controlling people's bodies (laughs) i think that we we just need more more uh insight into how our inner circle works yes i very much agree which it sounds like the the way that this guy was talking makes it seem like in general they like are in line with each other yes yes like they have different projects it sounds right but like their their ideas for how to do things are usually like yeah that seems right go for it what's your name apparator or something right right seems seems weird and overly convoluted but i think it'll work yeah but that's you know that's your initiative this is your uh this is your role so go for it i guess i'm more focused on on the uh on the engineering side of these fireworks that we're using sure we could use flags just as well but i think 
I think flammable fireworks on ships is just as good. Luke, you can't use flags. I know you may, you commented about this. Like flags are just as good. Uh, what if it's dark? <laughs> Valid point. Very good point. That's half of all time, Luke. <laughs> Damn it. Um, no, that's I would yeah. Checkmate mm-hmm. on me. Luke, I, I can't. This could be a very short point. I can't remember if it was this book or a different book that we read recently where the only thing that fights this magic fire they've created is piss. Ooh. Was it this book or a, a different book that we've read? Because they're dumping old pee on this special fire that they use on ships. And I can't remember yeah. if it needed to be pee. Or if it was just pee was the thing they had a lot of and couldn't drink. I don't think that they specifically said pee. I would say that it seems that way because otherwise they would just use like ocean water. Right. 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 It seems. I didn't. Okay. So. Uh, why would it be pee though? <laughs> oh, I just remembered. I just remembered. It was from a different book. It was from a different book, Luke. The, Did we read this book together? Luke, in, yes, it was from the True Bastards. The magic fire in the True Bastards, uh, the only way to put it out was with P, was with old P. What is it with piss and magic fire? I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of, uh, some kind of thing that we don't know some special component of pee like if you're making magic fire why would you make a pee weakness yeah maybe this is just a science fact that we've been missing for a long right, time like maybe firefighters are using or like you know they're they're high level uh, we should i don't want to <laughs> that's <laughs> luke doesn't want to talk about firefighters using piss where i draw the line um do you have any more notes i think we should get to reviews let's do let's do reviews i don't remember i'll go first i was entertained by this book i liked it i want to i want to start off by saying that i think this book was so similar in my mind to red rising that it suffers a little bit by the comparison. Mm. Like, I I feel like if I had not read Red Rising before, I would have enjoyed this book more. Um, so I, I, I want that to caveat it. And I also clearly did not understand a lot of the, <laughs> the things that happened, which was tough. Um, so I thought it was fun and cool. Like I said, I think that the a lot of the like intense moments, I think Baru's uh, like shaky, ruthless inner monologue was very cool. But I wasn't quite as into it as I think I was intended to be for like such an intense book, I guess. Mm-hmm. So like in your mind, this is kind of a, a lesser Red Rising. 
Yes. <clears throat> I think that's it is the fir- it is the first one, so I don't know if maybe like the the subsequent parts where she's like in the inner workings get cooler, but yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think I largely agree with you in that this is this is how I see it as well is a lot of elements here I prefer in Red Rising. Like I like the I like the the cast of characters of Red Rising more and I like the kind of the like witty dialogue in Red Rising I thought was done a little better. And I, I got a little more hype for the battle scenes in Red Rising than I did here. The thing that I think this book does better than Red Rising is a realistic depiction of ruling an empire. I think I've, I thought from the very first section, the very first chapter we read of this book, I was intrigued by how they were going to talk about like an empire and how to actually fight an empire. And I think they like, to me, this book was a great success in that because they're talking not about like fighting wars and battles, but this like long-term oppression that this empire is able to to have on people based on like economics and and things like that. And I thought that was very well done in recognizing the like soul crushing weight of fighting an empire and how like how like not it's not difficult is not the word I'm looking for, but just like ineffectual a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. is fighting it and how difficult it is to change that kind of a system. Uh, And I think this book did a great job of that. Like the realistically representing how to change some kind of government or like how this kind of a big government works and oppresses people, I thought was really interesting. So that was my favorite part of this book. But in all other areas, I think I, I share your perspective in that. I would rather read Red Rising than this book. But I still see there are some facets here that are interesting to me. So I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I I think that that's that's fair. Um I think broad like broad strokes and style of writing uh similar to Red Rising but Red Rising did a little bit better, but some of the like like you said like the multifaceted view of rebellion was shown better here so next week we are going to be returning to a previous series that we've done the first law series we're going to read the second book in that series called before they are hanged by joe abercrombie if you have not read the first one uh go read the first one the Blade itself, great book. Luke and I love that we... book. Got got some episodes on it. <laughs> get caught up. Get caught up. And get ready for next week when we serve up a fresh batch of, of hot takes. Keep being dumb nerds. Yeah.